Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So with the Six Nations only days away and Wales naming their team for that opening fixture against Italy, we thought we'd bring you a bonus podcast having a look at what to expect from the New Look Wales and also from this Italian side. Joining me to do that is a brand new contributor to the podcast, Geraint Davis. Now Geraint's a rugby coach and he puts out some fantastically informative videos on Twitter and if you want to have a look at those you can follow him at DavisGDD and uh, there's also some stuff on YouTube too so make sure you have a look at all that stuff if you're if you're really into uh yeah into your, your coaching and tactics and stuff like that so a fascinating chat with him about what to expect and uh, yeah you can hear that right now big thanks as always to our sponsors at so coffee trades be sure to get your hands on some top draw coffee uh during this six nations and uh, yeah just once again big thanks to everyone who listens and downloads and leaves us reviews really appreciate it we've got a massive uh, a massive what seven weeks coming up and uh, yeah we appreciate all the questions you can throw at us and we look forward to answering those we'll have the usual podcast out on monday as a reaction to the wales italy game and of course everything else that's happened over the weekend but in the meantime here's my chat with garrett Delighted to say that I'm joined now by Garrett Davis. How are you doing, Garrett? I'm very well, thank you. How are we getting on? Yeah, not too bad. A few audio glitches uh, beforehand. Didn't need to share that with the audience, but I feel it, it adds to the ramshackle charm of this podcast. They know full well my history with struggling with audio, but great to have you, Pod. Uh, well, you know, this, this Thursday lunchtime, the big news is the, is the team selection. Wayne Pivak, start of the week. Everyone expected George North to play centre. News mm-hmm. story broke yesterday. Unlikely that George North is going to play centre. And here we are. That's the one selection that I think has really has really stood out. Is that the way you saw it? 
yeah, very much so. I think um, I, I wouldn't say there's a, as a huge surprise necessarily, but I think it's I think it's certainly brave uh, for people to go for it. Um, not that he had a huge amount of option around it, uh, but I, I'm, I'm certainly not concerned about it. I think uh, I think George North is uh, is a player that'll fit into that role quite nicely, and he's he's done it before for Wales. Um, there was. He's done it within games and with the nature of the game these days. It's, uh, we're, we're talking about a first phase alignment initially, and then it's kind of you're playing the game from that point. So uh, I think you'll uh, I think you'll fly with it. Yeah, it's interesting because I think the public reaction has perhaps been a little bit more sceptical. Yeah, possibly because I know you say he's done it in the past, but we've probably not seen the best of George North in a 13 shirt. But you're confident that he'll be able to produce that form, you know, given a given a chance. Yeah, I think given his experience and his his age is uh, isn't a, obviously a guide as to how experienced he is as a as a player. Uh, he's been a, been a mainstay of the Welsh team for you know the best part of Gatlin's reign as a as a coach. Uh, so I think we're in a pretty fortunate position to call him up in, into there. I mean, defensively, it's it's challenging defensively to defend in a in a thirteen channel, probably the hardest place to defend on the field. Um, but. I think a player of his kind of caliber. Um, yeah, I won't have too many concerns about it. I'd be interested to see how the how the attack strategy matches up to his attributes. But yeah, certainly, certainly, uh, I think he's more than capable of standing up to it. We're going to talk about uh, the attack, the attack options in a in a second. But it's something that we often quote on on this. Uh, I suppose as armchair fans, the thirteen channel being the the hardest place to defend, but you will know this better than we will with the the kind of the the close eye that you that you're able to keep on coaching. Why is it that thirteen is is such a difficult position to or such an important position defensively? It's just it's such a link between particularly first phase uh, and then into kind of particularly second phase. Then um, it, it's such a link between the outside backs and then everything happens inside. So uh, wingers tend to work on a on a, most of them playing a swing, so playing a pendulum type of formation. Um, so wingers got a little bit more time in about what they do, um, whereas the 13 is is right there in the front line. If the 13 misses his timing, then everybody else is in, is under pressure. Um, I think the, particularly the way the way the Wales are played, 13s have been uh, have been integral to to the success of the Welsh defence. Um, and Jonathan Davis has, has done that probably better than anybody worldwide, uh, or certainly up there with the best. Um, if if he's uh, if he's beaten on the edge, then your wingers haven't got any choice but then to commit. If your winger commits, then your fifteen has got to has got to get across pretty quickly to fill the hole. Uh, and then depending on where your scrum half is defending uh, and, and what your back row patterns are like, uh, it's you're you're pretty much then playing catch up once the thirteen's been breached. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. And you mentioned there the back row. This, you know, the news broke just before the the team announcement that Josh Navidi is likely to miss the bulk of the Six Nations, which I suppose mm-hmm. made Pivak's back row choice a little bit easier. Yeah, but it on on paper looks like an absolutely mouth watering back row of of Wainwright, Tipperick, and Falatau. Yeah. What will that mean for kind of the the overall team, the the dynamic of that back row? I'm a massive fan of it. Uh, I'll be honest in saying that it would have been exactly the back row I'd have picked, uh, even if Navidi was fit. Uh, I think Navidi adds uh, an angle that maybe some of the players struggle with in terms of his physicality and, and his go forwards. But uh, I think in uh, Wainwright in particular, I mean, I've I've already put my uh, my head on the block and suggested he'll be played at the tournament. Um, I, I think he's a I think he's a superstar, uh, and I, I'm definitely not the first person who said that. Um, but I think having him having him at six, uh, I think we're in a really fortunate position. Just Tipperick, just simply one of the most skillful, talented rugby players that, that play the game. Um, 
and then having Falatau back as a as an out and out number eight option, I think it's a I think it's an incredible background. I think we're in a very fortunate position. Uh, we absolutely are, and again, any uh, regular listener to this podcast will know I don't need any excuse to bang the Aaron Wainwright drum, and uh, yeah, people will have heard that numerous times. I suppose the the interesting thing for me is there was a lot of chat, particularly last week, from Sam Warburton about con- contesting the breakdown and it being mm. a real individual skill that they're looking to to give people almost that that mindset that Sam had of knowing when to of when to commit and look to turn the ball over or slow down and yes. that for me I think is a really fascinating one are there any clues in the selection you know because again I, I, I perhaps look at Dylan Lewis and say that's something that that he does very very well do you think <laughs> that that selection reflects what we've heard from Warburton last week? Yeah, I think there's a definite intent to want to bring that that edge back to the Welsh game. Um, there's there's definitely a theme in uh, in top flight rugby where uh, there's less there's actually less competition in terms of going for ball um, mm. because of how quick support are over the ball and how difficult it is in terms of the laws of the game to, to maintain uh, maintain your you know clean sheet in terms of penalties. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think there's definitely some intent in there to try and con- contest a little bit more there. Um, you know, Tipperick is uh, he's, he's a classic example of somebody who's who's highly skilled around the park, but does some incredible work at, at breakdown. Uh, I expect uh, Lewis as well. He's he's one of those kind of a characters that just puts his head down and, and works really hard on the field. Um, and, and definitely enjoys the the contest at Rec. Because uh, yeah, I, th- I think the I suppose the the criticism of Dylan Lewis, and he is that he is a young player. It's worth you know it's worth noting again but is that perhaps in the you know in the tight it's not his it's not his strongest suit we know what he's able to do over the ball and he's a good ball mm. carrier again do you think that's a an in, a statement of intent from wales that they're going to put a lot more emphasis on on the breakdown than perhaps on the on the set piece and the scrum yeah i think the the, I mean, the set piece is uh, i'm looking at the at the front row it's, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty strong front row but mm. there's definitely a, a a sign there of, of a team that want to move the ball a bit. Um, Ken Owens has been a main say of the team, but he's also been a member of the Scarlet's team that are that are used to chucking the ball around. So I think um, I think there's definitely a balance in there. I'd be interested to see whether they can just shore up the scrum enough. And I'm going to assume that the the mindset is on Saturday that let's let's just get the ball. Um, and it's it's a pack that's strong enough to win possession, probably not strong enough to dominate. Yeah, I mean, would that would that selection have been different if, for example, it was you know an England or an Ireland up first? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely put some money on that being the case. Uh, <laughs> I think I think we'd have seen it, it probably slightly stronger. Um, we might well have seen Rob Evans coming in, in into the front row. Uh, his you know his scrummaging has been pretty impressive all season and and has has been previously. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him coming on if uh, if things turn a little. Interesting. Any other any other selections in there that that kind of really stood out to you? Um, I think seeing uh, seeing the the start of John McNichol. I mean, it's been mm. coming for quite a while. Um, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not upset by it in any way. I think uh, no. I think he's I think he's going to add a huge amount. But it's a yes, yeah, a big big occasion for a player like him. Um, I think uh, I think we could see some pretty special rugby from him. Uh, and the, I think he'll balance um, Josh Adams a bit. Um, just I suppose it's quite a quite a big call early on in the Six Nations to to bring in one of your one of your new boys. Um, so yeah, quite yeah. excited for him. They're both exciting wingers, but in their own in their own different way, really, aren't they? You know, Adams is a bit more direct, and will look for a. I suppose, you know, he's not, he's not like a George North trying to crash through, but mm-hmm. I think he, he scans what's in front of him well, whereas McNichol, I think, is much more of a, a ball-playing, you know, a ball-playing back three player. He's got that offloading game and, uh, yeah, you know, 
exciting in his own different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, Josh Adams is one of his strengths for the Blues all season has been his work around the ruck area, um, which we'll probably see him more and more from wingers uh, that they they're happy to take short short balls off a ruck or even being the person to get there and, and take it quickly. Um, in terms of attributes, big, strong, fast, I mean, it, it makes sense to have somebody quite close to ruck who's, who's got those kind of attributes. Um, but that's that's nicely balanced with McNichol, I think. Um, he'll, he'll be. You'll balance quite nicely with Lee Halfpenny. You're obviously used to each other from club rugby. Um, so hopefully we'll see them moving the ball a bit. And on paper, it's, you know, I suppose it's Lee first up is your ideal game, isn't it? Because it's, you know, the, the weakest side in the tournament and it's at home. But yeah. is there any danger that Wales will be taking, you know, will be taking the Italians for granted? I I think they're in a mindset at the minute, and with the kind of success they've had, that they I don't think anybody takes Italy lightly mm. necessarily. Um, I think uh, there's there's definitely a a feeling that there's slightly weaker teams being put out against them, and I think they've commented in the press the last couple of weeks that they they want to be taken maybe a little bit more seriously. Um, and maybe Thomas Williams is maybe he's one of those players who maybe won't get a start in some of the other games. Um, but I think you know Italy are always always a danger. Uh, they got some you know, in terms of their pack with Seb Negri and Drake Pledry. I think those kind of boys they're good enough to play in pretty much any international team. Uh, I think they'll they'll cause some danger if Wales don't shut them down pretty quick. Yeah, I think it does. You know, you look at the side and they've got obviously a change in coaching, albeit an interim one. But the mm-hmm. players players like Pledri, it's it does seem like a little bit of a changing of the guard. I know Zani's still in you know he's still in the in the squad at the grand mm-hmm. old age of 36, 37. But it does feel like you know they're introducing some of that some of that new blood who, like you say, are exciting talent in their own right. Yeah, very much so. I think um, Tommaso Allen's been around there for a little while now, and I think he's probably one of those players that's gonna that'll galvanise them as as they go through. Um, but you know, I think Frank Smith has got a has got a, a, a probably slightly better understanding of Italian rugby. Uh, you know, he spent a bit of time at Treviso uh, mm. towards the end of his playing, um, and so I think he's got a bit of a feel for what the country really wants and desires in terms of the way he wants to play. Um, so I, I'm I'm sure we'll see some changes coming to the Six Nations. And what? Should we expect from the Italian style of play? I think there'll be a build-up of, of what we've seen. Um, I think they've got an intent to play. I think the kicking game has beca- probably became too much a part of mm. their game, if I'm honest. Um, I think they they tended to uh, be quite happy to uh, rely on set piece, kick, kick long, or hope for the ball to be kicked into touch. Uh, I'm I'm gonna guess that we're going to see a little bit more run um, run from them than maybe we've seen previously. Um, but because of the nature of their kind of physicality, I, I, I can't see them wanting to play multi-phase rugby. Um, but I, I think it's probably an intent to play maybe first, first second phase before, the, before they look to kick. And then, you know, I suppose, again, we've looked at Wales lineup and, and some of those players who we think are, are going to be exciting within there. One player who, for me, I think, most most rugby fans will be looking forward to watching in this tournament is Minotzi. Mm-hmm. How much of a talent is he, and and what can, can he help bring that that attacking flair out of uh, out of the Italian backline? No, I think he's, he's literally the first player on my list when I when I was thinking about the most <laughs> uh, most impressive Italian players right now. Uh, I I think he's uh, he's a player that w- would fit in again. He's one of those boys that could fit into most international teams, um, and he's got a real want to play. Um, the balance of him is mm-hmm. that. He plays. He plays a game that is pretty, uh, pretty open. Likes to run. Will he be given that kind of space? Given the kind of defensive pressure he's going to be under. So I, I think the quality of him will will tell whether he can he can play his style uh, under the pretty significant pressure his boys are going to be under. 
and sticking with style, but bringing it back to Wales for a moment, I think everyone kind of, certainly anyone who watched club rugby would have been excited by by the Scarlets in that kind of 17, six, yeah, 16, 17, 18 uh, mm. years. Naturally, you know, that's really what got Wayne Pivak the job was was that success during that time. How easy is it to to evolve the, you know, evolve, the, I guess, the more pragmatic way that, that Gatlin's played through to something like the the fast-paced, turnover-dominated, counter-attacking style that the Scarlets had? Yeah, I think it's uh, it is it is the big question, isn't it? It's, uh, I think the the Welsh style has been pretty ingrained now since kind of two thousand and eight. Um, there's definitely been an evolution of the game since that point. I think kind of two thousand nine, two thousand and ten, there was a, a real flow on the corner and a relatively regimented way of playing the game. Mm. I, I think we've done pretty well in opening that up. Um, maybe minus minus Africa uh, in the in the semi. I think the, the the kick aspect of the game probably uh, probably cost us um, in the end there. Um, so I think changing that with any uh, with with too much change, I, I can't see that happening. In all honesty, um, I think we'll certainly see a bit more intent to play uh, when we when we have opportunities. Maybe uh, kind of a halfway line that are on that are on that mark. Uh, mm. But I can still see plenty of box kicks, um, which you know, I'm, I'm I'm not adverse to, if I'm honest. Um, but I would hope to see a little bit more play around there. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, again, it's it's one of my regular rants. I mean, I'm I know full well the effectiveness of a box kick. I just I, I find it one of the more frustrating parts of modern rugby, particularly the kind of the those kind of caterpillar uh, caterpillar malls where. You know, you got you got four or five players extending the uh, uh, sorry extending the length of the ruck just in order to to give a, a clear box kick. But while we while we've got you on the pod, just explain why why box kicking can be so effective. It's, it's the it's, it's the opportunity to uh, recreate a transition but under control. Um, so it, transitions happen through the game, knock on or a fall pass or a turnover at ruck. A box kick can, allows you to get some territory first from the kick. But it will also give you a, a planned transition. So uh, if you regain possession, you've placed your players where you want them to be from that transition. So it's it's kind of a it's like a planned turnover. Um, if if the opposition gain possession, then there's an opportunity to catch them behind their own line, uh, potential for a penalty, um, ju- just to put some pressure on the next phase. And then a lot of teams are box kicking to get a box kick return, um, which which we've seen a little bit of uh, kind of over the Christmas break. Um, so it's. It's an opportunity to to break up the field um, in one side and also to kind of plan for the fo- the field being a little bit more open. Um, it's pretty tough to to uh, to attack from kind of third, fourth, fifth phase and, and onwards. The field gets relatively well ordered and it's actually tough to break through. Um, pretty tough physically as well. So it's yeah, it's, it's slightly uh, slightly less uh, labour intensive way of getting territory and then uh, have an opportunity to att- to attack. Well, I've, I found uh, listening to you talk about box kicks a lot more interesting than uh, than I do watching <laughs> them. Uh, it's fascinating stuff. We're going to carry on talking about uh, about the preview to Wales versus Italy after this very, very short break. This is Adam Beard, and you're listening to Attack and Scrum, sponsored by So Coffee Trades. Chatting just before the, ba- uh, the break, Garant, about... The, the transition of, uh, of Wales playing under under Wayne Pivak and uh, kind of the move from Gatland. Now, I felt personally that we started to see a bit more of, a, of an attacking intent during last year's Six Nations. It might not have translated into the number of tries, but I certainly felt yeah. with Anscombe at 10, there seemed to be that more... Um, that desire to, to play a little bit more in the backs. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, Anscombe's still out injured. 
missed the World Cup. But Dan Big has been in some fantastic form for Northampton, and perhaps not just in the the standard kicking way that we've that we've come to expect from him. He's shown that he has got a little bit, you know, a bit more in his locker. Oh yeah, definitely. I think um, the Saints have been going pretty well all season, uh, minus their uh, rather large blip last mm-hmm. week. Um, I think uh, as a as a player, he's he's benefited massively from that environment. Um, I think get, getting into into a place where he's got pretty good front football, regardless of scenario, uh, has allowed him to carry a little bit more. Um, and and there's de- there's definitely an intent of Saints to play from their own twenty-two. Uh, and I think that's translated then um, into just his, his confidence level and his willingness to have a go. And probably reminded him uh, as to kind of just how good his his, uh, his transition skills are, how mm. good his distribution skills are. Um, so I'm, I, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with him at ten again. Uh, you know, we look at the whole squad. I'm, I'm fairly comfortable with it all really. Um, I think uh, I think he'll be pretty willing to move the ball uh, and given the. Kind of the experience of some of the scarlet boys around him, he's, he's going to get some decent intent from them as well. Yeah, I think that there seems to be a school of thought as well that having, I guess, more creative, uh, well, not more creative, but having kind of footballing centres outside him has brought out the best, the best of him in the in yeah. a Saints shirt. Now, yeah. again, you know, I, I suppose Hadley Parks is a footballer, but he's been at international level largely relied on for his strength and, and ball carrying ability and, and George yeah. North again you, you certainly wouldn't have labelled as a footballer do you think that's that's kind of in any way restrictive and we might see a bit more of that kicking game or is he going to be happy to happy to spin the ball I think it definitely has, a, has an impact um, I mean Parks as uh, as a player has got such a range of skills in his locker mm. but he's definitely been the he's kind of filled in the, the kind of the next level of the Jamie Roberts approach uh, yeah. of, of a 12 um, which I actually think is is fairly restrictive of what he's capable of. Um, I think the kicking game actually suits people like uh, like like Parks. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's good on the high ball, damn bigger. I mean, in terms of kick chases, there's, there's not many better players than him. Um, so I, I think they'll they'll relish the opportunity to kick uh, and indeed to defend as a result of it. Um, but I, I would hope that there's there's then players around who want to move the ball a bit. And Thomas Williams is a is a bright, sparky nine. Um, He's not a player that uh, is is going to want to be putting up loads of box kicks. Um, I, I think it, it suits his game to be moving the ball around. So uh, I'm, I'm hopeful of uh, of an evolution of, of their game. I, I can't see a, uh, too much of a revolution, but certainly a, a step forward based on kind of some rugby that we've seen. I suppose one of the uh, one of the omissions is one of the most talked about players of this season in Lewis Rees-Samet. Mm-hmm. Obviously only 18, only 18 years old. I'm sure he's got a bright future ahead of him. But I guess this really was a fixture, if he was going to play a significant part, the fixture you would have expected to see him in. Was it a bit of a surprise that he wasn't in the 23? I think uh, I think if Pivac would have been a little bit more settled in the role, uh, mm. I think if this was his tenth international rather than his kind of first Six Nations international, we, we may have seen him. Um, it's it's a big old call for a for a new head coach to uh, a new new coaching team to bring a brand new player in of that kind of nature. Um, he's also very very young. He's mm. incredibly talented. He's, he scored some of the finest tries in the in the Premiership this year. Um, absolutely flying for Gloucester, kind of on and off the ball. Um, pretty good defensively as well um, but he is still only 18 uh, and he, he's now got the opportunity to learn from s- some of the most experienced players uh, in the Six Nations that happen to be in the Welsh camp um, that, that's that's got to be seen as a good thing um, I'll be honest I, I would have loved to have seen him he is one of those mm. players that I thought you know what I'd actually I, I'd, be, I'd love to see him playing against Italy um, so 
he's probably of the, when I look at the squads, he, he was, he's one of the players that I really have loved to have been in there. Um, but there's, there's a long-term plan with him, I'm sure. Absolutely. And, uh, so I suppose someone who does have plenty of uh, experience, Reese Webb finds himself on the bench. Uh, I yeah. suppose that's again that decision made a little bit easier by the fact that Gareth Davis wasn't wasn't fully fit and available mm-hmm. for selection. Um, but he'll be he'll be chomping at the bit, ready to get that red jersey back on and get get on the field. And I'm sure there's a hell of a reception waiting for him when uh, when he inevitably does come off the bench. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, he's he's been a massive loss to Welsh rugby. Um, not because we've struggled with talent. We've got some incredible talent. And I think Gareth Davis has done uh, a wonderful job in the nine shirt for the last few years. Um, but there's no doubt that Rhys Webb is, is absolutely world-class. World um, and I think uh, I think Welsh rugby has benefited in that we've developed other players in his absence. Uh, but we've also seen the loss of who I think is one of the, one of the most talented scrum halves put on a Welsh shirt. Come the end of the time, and this is this is a very very difficult uh, question to answer. But come the end of the tournament, can you see there being a, a change in the pecking order in terms of those nines? I, I think if it uh, if Rhys Webb gets opportunity to get on the field and uh, uh, you know, have, have enough time to kind of stake his claim, uh, for me, he's his first choice for scrum half. Um, I think I think Gareth Davis is outstanding, uh, and minus Rhys Webb, he's his first choice every day. Um, but in uh, yeah, my own humble opinion, I think Reese Webb is, is one of the finest scrum in the world, uh, and, and I'd I would I'd be backing him to begin the shirt in that in that final test. Okay, just to, just as we wrap up now, Geraint, what about uh, what about you know the, the the score prediction? What are you how are you expecting this one to play out on Saturday? Yeah, I'm expecting a Welsh win. I've uh, I've backed Wales for the championship naturally with my uh, with my biased head on. Um, <laughs> it's uh, but I've said that every year since uh, I was roughly eight years old, so that, that doesn't change too much. Um, I, I'd anticipate a kind of a, a twenty point difference on Saturday. Um, I think I think Italy will uh, will come out and put up a pretty fierce defence for the first kind of thirty minutes, and I, I'd imagine there'll be a bit of a break in the score at the, at the thirty minute mark. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to put a I'm going to put a twenty twenty point difference between the teams. And then one final question: You mentioned that the the Italian defence. So this is the first uh, the first Welsh defence in twelve years not to have Sean Edwards overseeing it. Mm-hmm. How much of a difference do you think that is that is going to make, or will the you know the the foundations of that system still be there from the the previous coaching regime? Yeah, again, it's it's hard to it's hard to see any uh, any significant change based on the amount of time boys have been in camp and just how long the previous defensive system was in place. Um, but I, I I think it's definitely the uh, the most significant change in Welsh rugby is. is is actually John Edwards not being a part of the, of the team. Um, I mean, not just the system, but his his just approach with the players and his uh, his manner with the players, the kind of intensity that he brought out in them. Um, Brian Hayward's got a, a pretty good pedigree, and he was he was uh, pretty uh, pretty direct as a player, um, mm. and then as a coach, has had some real success with the with the Welsh in the twenties, and uh, you know he comes with a good pedigree, um, which has, has probably led to him being able to step up now. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna see a, a similar line speed approach. Um, and I think the I think the intensity really is that that'll be interesting to see uh, how how willing are they to keep pressing? Uh, will they will they be more willing to, to kind of drop off the, defen- the defensive push? Um, I think the Sean Edwards approach was very much of let's go for them. Um, and I think Byron Haywood uh, it'll be interesting to see whether he maintains that or whether he might want to see a little bit more of a kind of a softer press uh, when the when the opposition are moving the ball rather than trying to shut them off. So uh, yeah, it'll be uh, been interesting watch on Saturday. 
interesting watch indeed. It's been fantastic chatting to you, Gary. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Um, I've really, uh, really enjoyed a lot of uh, a lot of the content you've been producing on on YouTube and Twitter. So just let yeah, let our audience know how the, how they can follow you and where to find your stuff. Uh, yeah, my videos generally are on Twitter, uh, so Davis GDD, um, and uh, feel free to comment. It's always, it's always nice some discussion. And then my uh, YouTube channel, then um, so GDD Coaching. Um, feel free to pop on, and uh, there's, there's hopefully enough there to keep everybody interested in some way. Yeah, I'd absolutely second that. Thanks very much for joining us, Garen. Enjoy the game, and uh, yeah, we'd, we'd love to get you back on at some point soon. Yeah, great. Thanks for talking. Thank you. Take care. Podcast Network.